Hello, listeners, and welcome to Season 3 of Reading in Progress. I'm your host, Roscoe. In this season, we will, you guessed it, be reading fan fiction from archive of our own, but we will also be discussing fandom topics that you, the listener, want to hear. Zines, events, game releases, positives, and negatives, I want to read your thoughts and comments. To submit your suggestions, visit our new Twitter page at RIP underscore podcast one or Tumblr at Reading in Progress Podcast. Now, without further ado, let's dive right in. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Reading in Progress. Today, I'm going to be reading fan fiction for what feels like the first time in forever. Um, and I'm very, very excited to actually be branching out and reading from the Final Fantasy VII fandom. And I already featured the author today in a Final Fantasy XV fic in one of the previous seasons, but I had read this fic that uh, she shared that was in the Final Fantasy VII fandom and absolutely loved it. So I thought it would be a good way to transition into a different fandom by still honoring a author in the Final Fantasy XV fandom and just show that you can still love their work. (laughs) Even if you haven't read anything in this fandom before, it's maybe a good way to dip your toes in the proverbial pool here. Um, And as for me, I I think if you had listened to a previous episode, you would know I rushed through Final Fantasy VII Remake, and we'll be actually doing a Let's Talk episode on that because I have so much to say. Um, But I rushed through it because I didn't want any spoilers. (laughs) And it's so funny to say spoilers about a game that's, you know, over 20 years old, the original. And I, I just have to say that Final Fantasy VII was my first RPG I ever played. And I remember being pretty young, probably too young for the game, um, and sitting there with my brother and just obsessively playing it and falling in love with the characters and the story. And it's so cool to see it still being loved on today and a whole new group of people getting to see it. And um, I think I also mentioned that I was a little afraid to kind of get back into the Final Fantasy VII fandom because there are definitely some crazies and you'll see them on Twitter and online and they have very loud shouting voices. Um, But I've just now started writing some Final Fantasy VII fanfiction of my own and it feels so good. It's it's like coming home for me. And that's why I really wanted to read some (laughs) because uh, this game just is so near and dear to my heart. And for those who maybe uh, have not experienced the original or don't understand all the hype surrounding it, I get it. Like, you know, it's a long time for people to be saying, oh, this is the best game ever and whatnot. But um, (laughs) I am unfortunately, or fortunately, one of the people who believes that. And I uh, will defend it till my death. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, nicely, of course. But that's to say that today's fan fiction, I just hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. It's by Harmony, and it's called It Rains Ashes on Golgotha. And it is explicit, so if there is anything that is a little questionable, I might have to skim over it. But um, just know that it is. there are no archive warnings, there are no tags that suggest anything too terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't be reading it if it did. And it falls into the male male category, and the, the primary ship is Zach Fair and Cloud Strife. Now... There may be some spoilers in here <laughs> because it is based off the original Final Fantasy VII. And so if you do not want to be spoiled, if you're new to Final Fantasy VII, you may not want to listen to this one. But if you are familiar with the story and Crisis Core and Advent Children, all that, then you should be good. The other characters that feature in the fic are Tifa, Rufus Shinra, Sung, Reeve, avalanche of course and some others and this is a long one it's 22,982 words even though it is one shot and uh, I'm gonna see how much I can get through in an hour because now all my episodes are moving to the 45 to 60 minute range and so this is new territory on several fronts for all of us and I hope you enjoy it so, moving on, the summary. To Cloud's astonishment, a previously undiscovered materia pulls in Zack from a parallel world, a timeline where Cloud was the one who's de- who died on the cliff and Zack had lived. And then the notes here, and just keep in mind this was published in 2016. <laughs> so, I'm new to ficking for the Final Fantasy VII fandom. Hi! The last fic I wrote was about parallel worlds for a different fandom, and now I'm writing another one. Oops. Gets us something I'm pretty interested in. This is also the longest one-shot I've written so far. I keep saying that with nearly every fic I write, but my one-shots are getting longer and longer. I didn't want to chapter this, though. It felt good to me as just one solid block. A few things. In the fic, I mentioned the sale of materia as a way of affording certain things. For those of you who haven't played the game for a long time, here's a refresher on this subject, and then there's a link. Cloud has a conversation about the live stream with someone in this fic, and I just wanted to clarify that it's my attempt to reconcile all the different ways it's been portrayed. I wish the compilation had been more consistent about it. I'm not above the common fandom headcanon that Cloud slept in Zack's arms when they were on the run, just so you know. I see it a lot, especially on Tumblr, and it makes sense, and I love it. That said, I hope you enjoy. All right, listeners, are we ready to dive in? Let's enjoy It Rains Ashes on Golgotha by Harmony. Two chimes ring out from his pocket in under a minute. The first one's from Reno, who sent him a wall of text and several shades of restrained panic, heated and bright and nearly audible. Yo, Blondie, don't freak out, but you might want to know that there may have been a screw-up over here, so I found this materia right and... That's all Cloud catches in a low-lidded gaze before he flicks over to the next message, which is tagged with Reeve's name. Cloud, please call me immediately when you get this. 
there's been an incident that I think you need to know about. Shinra and the remnants of its people are maybe about as far behind him now as his wet-eyed, innocent youth, a fractured slice of his past, and whatever this may be about, he doesn't particularly want anything to do with it. But he doesn't erase the messages. Light, brusque fingers simply flip the phone shut, and Cloud impassively slips it into his pocket again, before revving up his bike and making his way off curls of dust rising from the trail of his wheels. He knows something's up, though, when he's back in the heart of Edge and Tifa's already out the door to greet him before he can even stop Fenrir's momentum, throat pink-flushed and tremor to her fingernails, parted lips spilling a fever-hot chant of, Cloud! Cloud! You better come in! Hurry! I don't know how to tell you! I can't believe... And he swings open the grime-smudged door to a familiar mess of black spikes and a fire-warm, blue-green gaze. A memory once lost, once replaced, once returned. Always present. Blood pumps loud and quick, thundering at the peak of his throat and the line of his wrists. This can't be real, but he can't pull his eyes away. Zack. His mouth curves around the syllable but it's lodged beneath his tongue and doesn't come out. Cloud, you're... Breathe Zack, voice unsteady, and wide pupils fix on Cloud, dark and deep and keen. Wow, it's you. You really are alive. He thinks he's left the feeling in days gone by, that tense push and pull of heart tissue, the raw aching of warm bones, the rigid clenching of sore teeth. And then, it's all back suddenly in a rising tide, whole and unbidden, pressing his lungs, squeezing his knees, like it's never been gone. Illusory music licks at his jaw. He hears funerary hymns being sung in reverse, folding around his ears in ghosts and whispers, the requiems of those who were never dead. This is not his Zack. He looks the same, sounds the same, walks with the same easy-footed gait, tosses over the same lopsided half-smile. He's Zack in all respects, is definitely Zack, but is not his Zack. The one who fell years ago so that Cloud might live, who had sank into the dust and never rose back up, who had painted the earth with thick pools of dark red beneath the rain. You were the one who died, says Zack, and a snipped little noise of not really laughter scrapes rough over the roof of his mouth. Came around from that Mako sickness in Catatonia at the last moment, you know? Found me and stumbled into the fray, then kept on fighting even after you took a hail of bullets to the back. Knuckles graze across his chest, like there's a shadow of faraway dull hurt there, pulsing and intermittent. I never wanted to leave you, and I wouldn't listen when you begged me to. Got so caught up in telling you know that I ended up taking shots to my shoulder and leg. That knocked me right off the edge of the precipice. I fell a pretty long way down. Managed to hang on to the cliffside and survive, but when I came back for you, they were all gone, and you were already... Wiry fingers still firm and graceful, the way they'd always been, curling around the dew-flecked beer bottle. Where I'm from, nobody knows your name. Nobody remembers who you were, but you fought with everything you had and died a hero. 
He grinds out around swallowed emotion, uneven breath heaving his ribcage. As far as Cloud understands, everything else seems to have been more or less the same. Genesis, Nibelheim, Sephiroth, Meteorfall, Geostigma, Deep Ground. The planet reshaped and restructured everything to follow the path that Destiny had already carved, weaving a mirrored story from the S-cell sleeping in Zack's body, and the earnest courage and strength knitted into Zack's veins. And the world had kept turning without Cloud there to help save it. Funnily enough, not a single fragment of bitterness twists his stomach to know that. He's seen more of the universe's shadows than he's wanted to, and been through too much, and aged too fast. The knowledge can't cut him anyway, not when Zack's sitting in front of him, blood warm and breathing and alive. How did you even get here? Cloud manages tightly. Too many unsaid questions hanging from a dried mouth. I don't really know, to be honest. Reno, my Reno, or yours, or maybe both, I'm not sure. He was out on some mission and randomly found this funny materia no one's ever seen before, answers Zack, wet teeth sinking into his bottom lip. He'd set it into this old bracer that he was trying on for kicks, and I blacked out while I was leaning over and staring at it, so I think he must have triggered the thing without meaning to, somehow. When I came to, he was there with Reeve, though not the same Reno as the one I was talking to just before that, I figure. Both of them looked like they'd seen a ghost, said I'd been dead for years. I thought I'd hit my head or something when they both told me they were going to contact you right away. Frankly, this is kind of surreal. I seriously never thought I'd see you again. Well, not exactly him, Cloud thinks. He isn't this Zack's Cloud, in the same way that this Zack isn't his Zack. But Zack's always been this way, sincere and positive and bright like the sun. And he talks like Cloud is simply Cloud, like that's all that matters right now, either way. Yeah, Cloud answers in a soft voice. I never thought I'd see you again, either. Zack gazes across Tifa's table at him eyes burning like summer, and Cloud thinks he might understand just a little. And then, that small pocket of a house is filled with the laughter of children. Hearty, deep-bellied, sparkling laughter that's never swallowed the air between these walls as far as Cloud's aware. There'd only been soft murmurs and quiet breaths and pulsing blood beats, Edges dulled by the endless busy days running the bar and by the silent dark scar that geostigmas left behind in all their hearts. Denzel and Marlene take to Zack like he's their very own big brother, and the little rooms are suddenly rich and plump with the loud, glistening peal of Zack's laughter, too. Cloud wonders where this world Zack would be now if he'd never fallen, if he'd be blissfully married. Maybe to Aerith, if she, too, had never fallen, with young, boisterous children of his own. One afternoon in Tifa's house, and Zack's already stretched across the living area, supple and easy, flanked on either side by flushed little faces glimmering brighter than the sun, with his own face even brighter still. Lazy card games strewn across the floor between them, steady fingers ruffling messily through the kid's tufts of hair, like it had always ruffled through clouds in days belonging to another time. Laughed protests of, Zack, Zack, 
chiming from the backs of Denzel and Marlene's throats, and Zack warmly offering that familiar pearl-toothed grin that Cloud's always kept tucked away in his memory and in the marrow of his bones. Only one afternoon, and Zack's already helped Tifa repair her kitchen sink and wheel in her new refrigerator, whatever deep-set unease her gut may still carry about him and ex-soldiers in general is unexpectedly smoothing out, slowly and visibly, lighting gold in the wet film of her eyes, pink in the hollows of her cheeks. He's already growing on you, huh? Cloud remarks offhandedly, and is surprised at the involuntary hint of pleasure that smolders from her skin in answer. Just one afternoon, and it feels like a broken clock started ticking again, like the house itself is drawing and emitting its first breath, the walls and roof contracting, expanding, in, out. Sturdy chest flush against his back, and Zack's arms are firm around his waist, a presence that's solid and truly real. Sweet ride, Zack says, obviously impressed, breath trickling hot over Cloud's earlobe. Beast between your legs, I can tell. Maybe I should get a bike, too. There's a flicker of something in the edges of Cloud's chest cavity, something like sunlight, maybe. I'm a little surprised that you haven't already. This sort of thing is very much your style. I don't have the money, but yeah, it is, isn't it? Zack agrees, his voice ringing with the crisp melody of a smile. His hold tightens, and the afternoon air brushes sharp and glass cold against Cloud's cheekbones when they move off of it at last, cleave tight to each other upon Fenrir's back. He still has slices of memories from that time that they were on the run. They'd slept coarse skin against skin, with tired breath slipping out in ropes over the edges of teeth, and only scraps of body heat as warmth in the nighttime chill. Zack's shoulder hard beneath his cheek, and Zack's arms soft around him, strong fingers braiding into his hair, tender murmurs caressing the fringes of Cloud's mind, even while it slips in and out of his body in fractured pieces. There's always quiet peace whenever Zack folds his body around Cloud, as if all the sound in the world's been cushioned with cotton wool, as if the world slowed its turning. Just like now, the two of them together between the cool shards of wind. You're sleeping here, next to her flowers, says Zack, wrinkling his nose and tilting his mouth. It's more of a statement than a question. Huh. Somehow, I thought you'd be shacking up with your girl. You guys seem to be a family now, what with the kids and everything. Tifa's... She means a great deal to him, always will. It's not like that, though, answers Cloud in a quiet voice. And suddenly it's like he's 16 again, filled all the way up to the tips of his ears with multicolored dreams, but diffident and a little withdrawn. A twinkling-eyed novice trooper in the shape of a soft boy, shyly standing next to soldier first-class Zack Fair, one of the brightest sons he's ever known. Actually, Shelk was with us for a while, too. She moved out the same time I did, got her life together, got her own place. But yeah, with Denzel and Marlene, we are a family, I guess. I don't have to sleep under the same roof as them at all for all that to be true. Recently, I've just felt like I needed some of my own space. So I go and sleep in a few different places, depending on what suits my mood. 
figuring out my sense of independence, trying to see how parts of my life fit together and all that. It's what I want. This place is no longer a closed hideaway for him, a withdrawal from the world and from the perceived heaviness of his sins. Nowadays, more an indulgent sanctuary, rich with private thought and memory and the music of restful silence. You've done really well for yourself, Zack replies, wetting dry lips with a drag of his tongue, a smile in the corners of his eyes. A family in your own business, as well as being the local hero? Wow. Bet everyone's really proud of you, because I sure am. Nibelheim and the days that came before it still bleed and smudge in Cloud's mind sometimes, but some things will always ring crisp, clear, sunlit, reminisce, painted with single primary colors. He remembers the way fire often swelled in the dark beneath his ribs, burning with self-silenced admiration. For the great General Sephiroth first, and then for Zack too. He's grown used to the dull, unmoving quiet of his heart tissue these days. Or perhaps, he thinks, everything beneath the uppermost layer may still harbor a faraway sting, faint and buried and dim. We lost her to him as well, Zack murmurs. That hasn't changed even over different worlds, I guess. I still come back and look at her flowers sometimes, you know? I always miss her. And you too. Soft light filters in through the stained glass windows, as thin as a breath of silk, draping warm sunset gold over their faces. And Cloud suddenly finds his ankles trembling, gives in to the pull of gravity, and finds himself sinking to his knees. Down, down. What are you doing? asks Zack, vague curiosity rumbling under his breath. Something like an unwitting prayer for solace and mercy, maybe. Who knows? That wouldn't be strange in a church. They sleep with their legs folded up and their backs just barely touching, starlit bursts of yellow and white petals keeping guard not far from their side. And for the first time in a long time, there's no whisper of cold lingering in the deep of Cloud's bones, his spine's warm where Zack's lightly pressed against him, a shared blood heat that drips through the tangle of his limbs, that settles in his belly, that carries blurred dreams of those nights all those years ago, when they'd lain together in dust and darkness and hiding. Cloud gradually rouses with muscles tender and eyes bleary, and finds that the two of them have turned their bodies to face each other sometime before he'd woken. Zack's already awake and vaguely watching him with half-hazy interest, soft lips parted and eyes heavy-lidded, a pale yellow strip of dawn light grazing one cheek. Hey, does it bother you? Zack suddenly murmurs, voice still slightly rough with the after-traces of sleep, and more than that, something that almost pulses beneath his speech like a dim ache. Knowing that in another world, I took your place? It's somehow beautiful and absurd, the fact that Zack's even asking, and that alone is enough to tug Cloud fully awake in seconds. What are you talking about? He rasps out, tongue dry and chest tight. He rolls in closer on the curve of his hip and firmly presses. You are willing to give up your life to save me. Not only the other you but you, too. Doesn't this just make us even? More than that, for a time I thought I was you, 
I basically took your entire life, your identity. Zack sniffs at that, a tiny clipped puff of a breath that carries no bite with it, only an unhidden hint of easy acceptance. Less than a day here, and he's forgiven everything already. No indecisions, no misgivings. Typical Zack. Cloud slides his eyes closed for a fleeting moment, wills himself to drag in a full, slow breath. Zack, he says, quiet and rigid. Zack, I've always wanted to say I'm sorry. Me too, but it's not your fault. It's not our fault, replies Zack immediately, with no shred of hesitation. And it doesn't even matter what ranks we ever were. You're my living legacy here, just as I'm yours there, right? Cloud doesn't answer, and Zack doesn't push. They don't need words anyway. They get it. It echoes in their silence, all the way to the broken roof of the church. They spend the rest of the early morning loosely sprawled side by side, amidst pieces of rubble and sunlight, entwined in the fragrance of aging wood and flowers and earth. Cloud, I know you've probably run into him already, but it's still a matter we should discuss. Answer my messages, please. Everything all right? Rough fingertips graze Cloud's elbow, a warm pressure against the callous skin. Suddenly, his heart's tapping a drumbeat against his breastbone, firm and quiet and deep. It's nothing that can't wait, he answers, mouth quirking at the corners, a prequel to a half-smile. He slips the PHS device back into his pocket and murmurs, it's all good. Okay. Zack's grin is crooked and vaguely sweet and steady, bright hard teeth and wide eyes glittering. He jerks a lazy thumb over his shoulder, rubber soles rasping in a sidestep across the concrete. Come on, buddy. I admit I look pretty cute in your threads, but if I don't go get some of my own to wear here, I'm going to end up stretching them all out. Bodies move like an ocean in the marketplace, back and forth, back and forth, heaving with breath and chatter and heat. Zack's rambling spiritedly, Something about how the markets in his edge are less chaotic in the mornings, and something not all that perturbed by the position he's in, dropped into a mirror world with no clear way home, yet he's grinning with stars in the corners of his eyes and music curling on his tongue, a presence like warm milk and honey, charisma lit with the brilliance of sunrays. Brave in every sense of the word, and the untroubled pliancy of his gait, and the easy-going glow of his skin. Girls nearby flick subtle glimpses at him, in all his tall and gentle and painfully handsome, and the short, sparkling glances that he sends back has them stirring together in giggly birdsong, cheekbones flushed with slow-blooming roses. Zack Fair is natural a flirt as he's always been, only for the fact that he's really genuinely kind and lovely. At that thought, Cloud can't help but purse his lips. When you're done charming the ladies he says evenly, gesturing his thumb at a clothing merchant down at the corner of the pathway. Zack slants his head and looks up at him, pupils smiling vividly to match his mouth, and Cloud's breath maybe pauses a little, just a touch tight in his lungs. On it! A smooth, leisurely reply coupled with a playful two-fingered salute. You want to get us some food in the meantime? A taut nod, and Cloud calmly tears away from him, 
vaguely hopeful that his own face hasn't betrayed anything potentially embarrassing. His PHS vibrates against his thigh as he makes his way over to a nearby food stall, possibly Reeve again, if not Reno. Lips pressed together in a thin line, teeth sink unbidden into his tongue. He ignores it. A small handful of gill shed, and he's got two boxes of some fragrant Wootenese bird dish heating in his palms, steam from the slits of the side opening, dampening the unfolded crooks of his thumbs. An extravagant luxury, bar the previous day's buttered bread, in comparison to the very last meals that he and Zach had shared together, the meager smattering of dry roots and crumpled berries and whatever small morsel Zach had ever been able to find and hunt, that he'd always freely given to Cloud first with warm, gentle fingers and a heart-cutting smile and not a single utterance of complaint. No, maybe that had been a luxury too. In many ways, much more so than what Cloud's carrying now. For all his lingering tiredness of the planet's hurts, he knows that he's fortunate to be alive, to be well, to have friends. He's fortunate to have ever had Zack slide into his life, loud and summery and terribly fleeting. Now Zack's here. Somehow he's really here. He'd slipped away from the fragile tethers of the world, and yet he's now astonishingly within Cloud's reach, probably still merrily sifting through mounds of clothing and trying to see if there's something nice. So simple and mundane and everyday, a concept more alien to Cloud's universe than its frightening gnarled beasts, and strangest of all, he's not dreaming it. Though it's easy to picture the contrary when Zack's not around, he reaches the garment vendor, and Zack's not in sight. Zack? He murmurs, a hint of cold settling in his gut. No, false alarm. Faint movement stirs at his side, a curtain the cloud hadn't noticed before, an obvious fitting space. Zack must be behind it, he realizes. Streams of people pass by him, smooth and collected and undulating, ambling in every direction. Men, women, children. Eyelids slide to a close. For just a single second, he thought that some strange hand of fate or destiny had left him in their current. Alone. No signs of Zack, his eye-catching poise, his striking grin. Even in its absurdity, he can't help but momentarily wonder if he may be losing his grip. For even entertaining the possibility that maybe he's been dreaming— that all of this has just been a wild hallucination brought on by the deep-set exhaustion all the recent years have carved into his veins, teasing him with an unkindly vivid picture of what could have been. That none of it had been real. Zack's bright laughter in Tiva's living room, the weight of Zack's arms around him as they were perched un- upon Fenrir, being lulled to sleep by Zack's body heat against his back, their languid mourning together and the tangled remnants of the church. Any splinter of truth to that notion, and it'll be no different from losing Zack a second time. The heavy lump clotting in his mouth at that thought may just have more faint tendrils of dread in it than he'd ever had even in the face of Sephiroth. It pushes a bit too strongly at his breastbone, a reverie that's more vivid than he's comfortable with, and then the most relieving and welcome interruption calls him awake. Whoa, you're done so fast. So, how do I look? Cloud's eyes skim back open, and just like that, Zack fills his frame of vision all over again. 
the way he always has since they've known each other, a fixed presence in Cloud's eyes and heartbeats, steady, sunny, unwavering. The side curtain to the fitting area is now open, and Zack's standing firm behind it, plain and tangible. The shirt that he's poured himself into is horrible, a stretched cap sleeve thing that's a little too tight in the shoulders and a little too loose in the waist. Like an abomination, answers Cloud in a level voice, quiet breaths evening out, and his belly slowly untwists, his toes unclench. Zack flings him a brief, dirty look, amusingly pinched and narrow-eyed and rather unsuited to the usual temperate softness of his features, and immediately starts pulling off the offending garment with no measure of modesty. I guess I'll just get the two sleeveless numbers then, pops, and the pants, he tells the merchant coolly, and that's that. It's a whole five minutes later when he's finally stumbling out of there with a tissue-wrapped parcel clamped loosely in the bend of his underarm, satisfaction tinted rosy at the tips of his ears. The ensuing reunion on the stone pathway is prompt, and Cloud leisurely hands over one of the food boxes. Zack takes it graciously, pliant mouth twisting, placid eyes fixed squarely on Cloud's, and he murmurs, Hey, you okay? Yeah answers Cloud in slight surprise, maybe a little more quickly than he likes. It's quite touching, though, that Zack's been paying him attention. Then again, despite having been branded in the past as a puppy with no concentration span to speak of, Cloud remembers Zack's short-lived complaints about Angeal in this regard. He's always been a bleeding heart for the people around him, caring and truly attentive. I'm fine. It's only... Before I didn't see you at first, I suppose I was just... He rocks once on his ankles, unsure how to finish, but it turns out he doesn't need to. Keen eyes consider him at length, and somehow, that alone is enough. Because only a moment later, Zack's fingers are nonchalantly curling sideways to fold around Cloud's knuckles, and then the two of them are pressed heated palm against palm, callous skin against skin. This way, I definitely won't disappear, yeah? Zack says plainly, and the words flicker with as many tender beads of light as the sky-lit glimmer of his irises. Now let's go find some place to sit and eat. I'm starving. He graces Cloud's hand with a mild, furtive squeeze, like it's the most natural thing in the world. Maybe it is. Cloud pulls in a breath, the corners of his eyes crease just a touch, and he gives a squeeze, too. Yeah. He's okay. They both will be. Zack's hand is warm in his, and Cloud makes sure to keep hold of it for as long as he's able. Once upon a time, he'd have given anything for Zack, a soldier first class, to look at him like this. Years ago, when the entirety of his life had been single-mindedly swallowed by desperate efforts to build up the stone bricks of his own worth— to prove himself suited to walk in the colossal footprints left behind by Shinra's finest. Back then, he'd been a muddled, gawky-limbed boy, carrying dreams far too big to fit into his loose-fitting army fatigues, who could just barely hope to catch the gleaming eye of any of the well-lauded heroes he'd hungered to be standing among. The casual spar that he and Zack end up engaging in, in the deserted clearing just outside the church grounds, is a clash between two well-matched fighters, and Cloud hasn't gotten used to thinking of Zack and himself in that regard. 
Only their quick lungfuls of breath and the wintry music of silver steel bloom in the velvet light silence, and just from that, fragments of the young boy he'd been as a Shinra trooper are returning only in ways that matter, in the racing of his pulse to be glimpsed as an equal, in the hidden constellations of his eyes, and the restless burn of his innards and his fingertips. Thinking straight is almost tricky, what with the warm gaze that that Zack steals as he parries the thrust of Cloud's blade, all tender approval and iron-hearted admiration, and more than just a little fond. Cloud can't help but withdraw, lips curling and blossoming curiosity. What? Nothing, Zack grins, and it lights gold in every inch of his skin, underlines the healthy flush smearing his jaw. I suppose it's just hard to get tired of looking at you after thinking I'd never be able to again. It's so breathlessly sincere, so unashamedly blunt, and so Zack, that subtle heat drips unwittingly over Cloud's throat and cheekbones, and Zack immediately overflows with soft, chiming laughter, a bright tingling of bells. I don't remember you being so tall, or filled out, or naturally carrying yourself with a back this straight. Zack steps in, and long fingers coil over the rigid edge of Cloud's shoulder, hot and delicate and coarse. A few years of fighting the good fight made you into this, huh? You're really something, Cloud Strife. The full name is made up of one part teasing to two parts appreciation, a recipe that Cloud's more than okay with, a graceful reminder of how closely knitted their lives had been. In the Shinra days, it had really only been Zack who'd turned to him, who'd seen him, who'd found no crippling faults in him, who'd tucked Cloud under his wing with no misgivings and no mind to the separation of rank, the kind of hero who'd made a difference to Cloud's life with only an outstretched hand, perhaps the kind of hero that matters the most. Back then, just to achieve something, to make something of myself, to be recognized for it, it was pretty much everything, you know, says Cloud, and he pushes a thin, muted sliver of air through clamped teeth. It's funny, but if you'd had this much praise for me years ago, I'd probably have passed out. Zack chuckles at that, easy and cotton light. Shame it wasn't more obvious to you. I definitely had a whopping amount of respect for you. Still do. You had all the makings of a great soldier. All that perseverance and courage and knowing the right thing to do, yeah? Hey, I know damn well that that applies to both incarnations of you, for sure. I'm glad it looks like you believe it right now, too. You didn't really seem like you believed it all that much back then. An honest, simple sentiment, but also more than that by Miles. It flutters in Cloud's lungs, shakes his heart awake. Zack had been intimately flanked on all sides and shared friendships with such extraordinary sons. Second-class Kunsel, first-class Angeal, the great General Sephiroth himself. And yet, Always, his time and attention to Cloud had still been freely offered all the way to the terrible end. Kind and selfless and real, one of Cloud's first and only friends, perhaps a best friend. The thumb on his upper arm traces circles on his skin, steady, firm, familiar. He doesn't even realize that his eyes have slid closed until they're flitting open again. He meets the sight of Zack peering openly at him face alight with mild surprise and interest. Sorry, I... He reaches up carefully, 
fingertips leaving a small, single touch to Zack's knuckles an indication. I was just remembering when you used to do this. Well, you know, the other you. Haven't we talked it all out already? Figured out that pretty much the only major difference between our timelines was who survived, who didn't? I'm confident enough to say that the other me is me. He and I, two bodies, same guy. The mellow grass on Cloud's shoulder slowly untightens, slides away. Threads of cool air swirl through the empty space left behind, and Cloud misses that settling heat already. Zack resets his broadsword in its place on his back, and suddenly bumps his hip sideways against Cloud's, knocking their bones together. Remember when I used to do that? Cloud does. It's been one of Zack's funny quirks, a playfully lazy way for him to acquire someone's attention, much more his color and style than a regular tap on the shoulder. Yeah, you did. And this? A friendly nudge of a fist against the fold of Cloud's elbow. Another signature of Zack's affection. A gesture Cloud remembers being on the receiving end of countless times. A memory of encouragement, reassurance, warmth. Hmm, I remember. How about this? The incoming bout of hair ruffling is rife with warning signals that Cloud's learned to pinpoint with steel-sharp eyes. And he quickly ducks his head away from hovering fingers, lips twitching at the edges. Come on, Zack. He gets it. The point being made is glass clear, and in one fashion or another, he's starting to understand how Zack's right. Despite living on and carrying more adventures to his name, this is certainly Zack. And his personality, his oddities, his memories, his feelings, his past, and the ways that count most, Zack is Zack. Much the same. Not a fake, not an empty copy, not a mere shadow of the Zack he'd known. His Zack. Once lost and now found again, a solemn parable of amazing grace. Maybe, Cloud thinks, all of that applies to himself, too. Zack casts him a knowing grin, slanted and toothy and unhelpfully charming, and Cloud's not thoroughly sure why his own soft pulse is quickening, but it is. Reno's left you four messages in this last week. Slack lips purse. Willowy fingers rest on a sinuous hip. He came by twice with Rude, too. Two minutes in the bar and his PHS is already ringing, 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 an echo of fingernails scratching across a chalkboard. It sits weighty on his palm, a solid black flash of sung beckoning to him on the outer screen. He takes a slow sip from the cup of water that Tifa's passed to him, eyeballing the device sideways beyond the ivory porcelain rim. Are you going to get that? She asked pointedly, studying him through a sweep of dark lashes, voice smooth and level with patience. The ringing is unbroken and a little much, like too bright light, like itching teeth, and it doesn't stop. A flat wisp of air puffed through his nose, and Cloud reluctantly gives in at last. He plants the cup down on the nearby countertop with dull composure and idly flips the phone open, shoulders squaring. Eyes fixed on Tifa, he says curtly into the speaker, I'm giving you two minutes. That's all I need. For all of Sung's characteristic qualities of straight-spine discipline and unchanging faces, the faint relief sings plain enough in his quiet exhale of breath 
and the steadying pitch of his tenor. My men have been trying to get in touch with you all week. I suppose you've been spending less time in Edge than what we'd counted on. The news that they haven't been keeping tight tabs on him as of late is reassuring, and in no way is Cloud set to freely serve the specifics on a silver platter. Suppose so. We need Zack to come in, Sung spills out, clear-cut and open, and his voice slides back to the stone-cool mode of sensible business and rustling papers and walls of concrete. That materia that brought him here. We've handed it over to the necessary experts for study. Hopefully that can shed some light on what's happened and how this is even a possibility. It would help tremendously if he's actually with us to ensure that they glean the most accurate data. Cloud's knuckles tighten around the edges of the PHS at that, and from the other side of the bar counter, Tifa throws him a thin-lipped glance, delicate jaw stiff and flickering eyes apprehensive. We were ruthlessly hunted for nearly a year. Zack only just held on while carrying my weight, and he was killed, he says calmly, tongue tensed firm, fingers taut. You had something resembling friendship with him once. You know what he's suffered. And now you ask for him to be within arm's reach for data? Surely you remember that he and I spent four years being data. I know, answers Sung, and his words soften in all the corners, touched with a grain of something like contrition. But if we can acquire the essential intelligence from this, we may be able to send him home. The realization hooks Cloud suddenly, like winding threads unraveling, like the ground pulling away from his feet. One week of warm smiles and shared meals and tender mornings and nights spent together in freedom, that's all it's taken from him to somehow already blot it over in his mind. The mathematical reality, the fact that Zack isn't from here, and suddenly replace it with his own self-designed conviction that Zack is home, right now, with him, with Tifa, with the kids. Cloud had been young when he'd lost his best friend. He'd only just gotten him back. He's given everything, giving and giving until his chest is carved hollow and his blood runs thin, protecting the world and its people once and again. In return, even now, any chance he has to be selfish for just one time leaks through the gaps between his fingers like running water and he's left dry, bare. He ran off, you know. After he came around, he was told that you were alive, and then you became his first priority, Sung murmurs, and there's no underlying reprimand stitched into his tone, as though the very idea actually permits him some measure of comfort. I only got to see him as he was barreling out the door. Devin even gets to speak to him. Reno had to fill me in on all of it. No means of contact or anything, since his PHS doesn't work here. We can only hope to find him again through you. Teeth pressed together, closing around the heavy sentiments in his mouth, and Cloud doesn't answer. I believe that's my two minutes, says Sung, modest and collected, straight to the point. I appreciate you giving me your time. Please talk it over with him when you can. I can promise that this is to help him, too. Cloud wishes that Tifa wouldn't look at him like that. The late afternoon sun rays soaking through the shadows of the bar are still burnished gold in the window frames, a gentle heat of fading light. His chin lowers and his eyes slip away.
He wonders what this church had been like in its days of glory. If they'd performed ceremonies after dusk and held candlelit vigils, if the voices of choirs had curled through the pews like sacramental incense, if a hundred bowed heads birthed louder prayers. Cloud's never been particularly religious, always too far sunken in the planet's darkest stains to hear sermons that don't often apply to soldiers carrying the weight of the world within their hands. But sometimes here he can see what holy may possibly mean, in the reverent silence and the fragile beauty of the broken stones, and the veil of moonlight cloaking the flowers and fallen rubble, a small taste of peace and quiet calm between the silver-lit walls, and he'll accept any remnant of serenity that this universe has left. Nothing about Zach Fair is discreet, especially not when nearly every inch of him is covered by two delighted children, but that bears its own brand of tranquility, the kind of noise that Cloud will always have room and patience for in all of his days and nights. Zack, he says suddenly, have you put any thought into how you might go home? He slid into the habit of taking more careful steps and acting with less impulse since he'd pieced his memories back together in the wake of meteor fall, but this particular seed's been growing irrepressibly since Sung had planted it in him, now a double-edged blade of subdued curiosity and tension. The look that Tifa glides his way several shades of astonished. She stills on the picnic blanket beside him, bitten sandwich hanging midway to parted lips. It's also evidently quite appalling to Marlene, who's peering at him with mouth slack and pupils wide, little voice airy as she blurts out, You want to shoo Zack away? No, Marlene, it's okay. Cloud would never do that, says Zack quickly. And the suns that shimmer and the moisture of those blue-green irises flare with full belief in his own words, for which Cloud's immeasurably grateful. Zack turns to him then and presses on. It hasn't been an urgent priority, to be honest. Everything's been okay back there. Peace in the world for now. Loads of other people to help keep things in check if anything happens. I guess I've been a little relaxed, since it's a lot of fun here with you guys. I hope I haven't been a burden. Not at all, Tifa cuts in, leisurely and soft. You've been very helpful in the bar, too. You keep it up, and I'll keep feeding you. Zack grins at her tilted and bright, unfairly lovely. The rhythm of Cloud's breaths tip over, uneven. It's more or less as familiar as his own skin now, that heat flourishing in the fringes of his mind wherever Zack's concerned. Maybe it's been there for a long, long time. Huh. I hate to say it, but I suppose I get why everyone calls me a puppy. It's hard to keep an attention span and everything here is pretty much exactly the same as it is there, you know? It feels like I'm already home. Their gazes converge and touch, and something about the unsaid choice that's been made stings in all the right places. Without even knowing it, Zack's just given them a heartfelt gift. Time. They now have time. They'll go on, starting from here. A little picture perfect, all of them together, picnicking by lantern and starlight in the evening dark. A whisper of home. That means you'll stick around here for a while, won't you? Cloud's going to stay with you. Right, Cloud? Says Denzel. And it's an unexpected mask of subtly mature confidence. 
a great contrast to his aching insecurities back when they'd knelt in suffering beneath the black shroud of geostigma. Somehow, Denzel understands, and the simple wisdom smolders calm and slow beyond the tender boyhood of his eyes. Cloud's been going out to claim some of his own space sometimes, but I bet he occasionally gets lonely. Good thing he'll have you. Good thing I have him too, Zack responds within the space of a heartbeat, earnest and cheery, every luminous shade of a glimmering summer's day. Man, sorry to clip the chat, but I'm still hungry. Might head out and bring back a couple of burgers or something. Mind if I borrow the bike for a bit? Cloud's lips curve just barely. Zack's awful bottomless stomach is amusingly typical, soothingly familiar. If you break it, you'll have to do deliveries for me for the rest of your days. I wouldn't actually mind a boss like you. Thanks, buddy. You're totally heaven sent. With that, Zack leans forward over the picnic basket and unexpectedly kisses him. A big, moist, sloppy kiss on Cloud's cheek that burns with the flavor of gratitude and appreciation and casual merriment that's spiced with the fragrance of that night's sliced meat sandwiches and inexpensive shampoo and simply Zack. And just a hair's breadth of a moment later, he's up and gone. It leaves Cloud's blood thumping in his throat, leaves the ridges of his ears blossoming warm, leaves his cheek tingling in all the layers beneath the surface. Tifa's staring at him with eyeballs the size of dinner saucers, much too knowing for his comfort. His features are schooled already, still cool and unsmiling, but the moonlight suddenly brighter in his eyes, the evening air more alive against his skin, a luxurious reminder that sometimes he still has blessings that he can count. He's not religious, no, and the human complexities of spirituality are beyond his understanding, but he's dimly aware of some of the ideas that shape the bulk of it, sacrifice, resurrection, homecoming, second chances, Zack giving his flesh and blood to the earth to keep Cloud safe, rising from another world smeared in phoenix ashes, dulling Cloud's demons, forgiving everything, all of it. Zack being here, and being happy to be here. There's Cloud's reality, more sacred to his beating heart personally than any god or goddess that walks the skies. A miracle. Hardened muscles and tense limbs slacken with something resembling subtle relief, loose with poignant consolidation and indulgent harmony, perhaps more than they've ever been. All right, listeners, so that is the end of our time for today. And I actually was able to read about half of the fic. And if you were reading along, then you already know where to pick up. And if you weren't reading along, it's about 10 line breaks down in the document. And I really encourage everyone to go online and finish reading, not only to obviously get the rest of the story, but to leave some love for Harmony, uh, some kudos and comments on this lovely fic that she has written. And I just want to say, Harmony's writing is just, it's liquid poetry. (laughs) Um, I just love reading 
her work out loud because it's just so beautiful and all the descriptors and I definitely noticed that as a trait of hers any anything that I read from her is just um, it's just beautiful and so I'm I hope that you guys enjoyed uh, hearing it and that maybe this will help you get into some Final Fantasy 7 fan fiction if you are just uh, joining me in the fandom or if you are an old-time fan looking for some new content there you go as always you can drop me your own fix suggestions for things you would like to have read there is a google doc form that is but found both on the twitter and the tumblr on the twitter page it's pinned to the profile so if you want to suggest a fic to to be read it can be from any uh, video game fandom i'm happy to read it uh, obviously i can't get to everyone's suggestions and i do have a schedule so please don't be offended if i don't read your fic um, but I always love hearing suggestions and reading new content, so definitely do that if you feel so inclined. And as of right now, there is a survey going on for the next Let's Talk episode, which will be on editing and beta reading. And you can also find that on the Tumblr and Twitter pages, so I'd love to have your input. Uh, Feel free to fill it out, retweet it, reblog it. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to just drop me a line, you can find me on the Twitter page at RIP underscore podcast one or on Tumblr at the Reading in Progress podcast. Or on Gmail, you can send me an email at readingandprogresspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, it has been an honor reading to you today. Once again, this is Roscoe, and this has been Reading in Progress.